Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. Hey, this is Doug Jones. You might know me as the Silver Surfer or Abe Sapien from the Hellboy movies or Billy Butcherson from Hocus Pocus. But right now, you're listening to the Canned Air Podcast. and welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us this week to talk about the comic, The Bobcat, we welcome James Hostler. James, thanks so much for being here with us today. It's a great pleasure. Glad to be here. I'm excited for today's Me show. Too. we got some good stuff planned. Uh, first in our retro roundtable, we're going to be talking about the best television series that uh, spawn from movies. I've I've got one in mind. I'm so excited to talk about, and it would just make my day if someone else knew what it was. So we'll, we'll see how we'll it goes. Out. We'll find out for sure. Uh, then in the comic uh, vault, Jake, what do you got to talk I've about? I've got something called Don't Let Go. It's just one uh, short little self-contained comic by mm. Strangely Katie, but it's a fantastic showcase of what she's capable of. Okay. One of the books we'll be talking about there, and then we're going to turn our full attention over to James and talk about the Bobcat. But before we do that, Jake. You guys should probably check us out everywhere you can, uh, that being Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. On Twitter and Facebook, we are at CannedAirPod. On Instagram, we are at Canned underscore Air. And don't forget, check us out on our website, CannedAirPodcast.com. And if you really, really like what we do, we are also on Patreon. We make this show available for free. By God, it is not free to make. We've incurred some substantial expenses. We've got some extremely generous Patreon backers who have really kept the dream alive for us. Uh, If you want to be one of those magical, blessed people, please, please do. Anything helps. And if you reach that $5 mark, you have access to the Founders Club Patreon exclusive podcast, which is a hell of a lot of fun, I think. I think so, too. And uh, rounding on a year. So we've yeah. got 12 good episodes up there. God, so you, you get something back for your contribution. It is crazy. I remember when this like whole Patreon thing was just like a distant twinkle in our eyes. And yeah. now here it is. Now here we are with two of them on yeah. our belts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another thing at the end of the episode, uh, stick around. We are starting. Uh, this will be the first of the next three weeks. We're going to be featuring a band out of Melbourne, Australia called the Phosphines. That I am uh, really stoked on. I really like these guys. Yeah. Um, I'm just a sucker for Australian culture. They are, and I, I hate to say this, but you know, I'm, I'm a huge Colin Hay fan. I'm, I'm sure a band from Australia probably doesn't like to be compared to <laughs> Colin Hay, but um, not that I'm comparing them, but I did hear maybe inspiration there. Yeah. I was hearing more of like a Pete Yorn, like mm. XTC sound. I yeah. love what I'm hearing, though. And uh, I've been having the songs actually stuck in my head, truth be told. But, yeah, stick around. At the end of the episode, we're going to be playing the song Watershed. But uh, until then, let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. Do it. Do it. Come on. I'm here. Come on. Do it now. Come on. Let's go, Teddy. 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 Let's go,
taste bad. All right, guys. If you don't mind, I would like to go last. Last? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I could go off for hours on this thing, and I want to give everyone a fair shake at this. Fair enough. All right. So best television series based on movies. Uh, Let me see. Um, Well, there's one upcoming here I'm very stoked on. I've always been a Child's Play fan. Oh, yeah. And I heard that they're making a Child's Play uh, series. Well, after Uh, Cult of Chucky was like a sudden unexpected success. Was that the most recent? The absolute most recent. I wasn't big on that one. Really? The one before, The Curse of Chucky, that's the one I liked even more. Yeah. Like, it was the whole, like, house scenario. Like, with The Cult of Chucky, there were several of them, right? Yes, in the psychiatric hospital. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't like that? I thought it was really solid. You don't go into a Chucky movie thinking, hmm, you know, entertain me, film. Like, (laughs) show me a good film here. You're you're coming home with some bullshit. It's a gas station hot dog, but sometimes it's especially good. Um, (laughs) My God, we went to see... The only one I've seen in theater was... uh, Oh Don't say God. seed. Seed, <laughs> yes. That's what it was. And oh, I've I'm never sorry. seen such a horrible movie in all my life. It, it was the it worst was a, thing. a real garbage fire. And when I see shit like that on on the big screen or on television, I just think, boy, how do I get up there? I could do better than that. I know I could do better. The bar than that. is so low. I mean, there's obviously not a quality control process. Yeah, nobody's, this shit's nobody's just, checking this. So <clears throat> I don't know. Anyway, uh, James, what do you got? Well, uh, you know, there were a few that I used to watch. I was thinking back. Most of the ones that I watched uh, were like in the 70s. Planet of the Apes, TV Mm, show based on the movie. No, there was I didn't know either. Yep, yep. In the 70s, I was a Planet of the Apes freak. And, uh, of course, all of the... All of the animated uh, Pink Panther series that went on for years (laughs) came from the movies. And watched those, you know, my gosh, 45 years ago, whatever. Yeah. So... I watch Pink com- Panther all the time. When I've I was still a got a soft spot for Pink Panther. Yeah. I just loved how they did. The, you know, it's funny watching Samurai Jack. Uh, I see a lot of Pink Panther influence uh-huh. in the cartoon in that cartoon. Uh, just because sometimes you just get like no backgrounds. You know yeah. what I mean? Pink Panther never had the focus is so sharp on what they want you to see. Right. Like if they were walking in front of a building, there was an outline of a building. <laughs> That's what you were, get. <laughs> there was yeah. nothing else. <laughs> Minimalist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I love that. A character being kept alive by an insulation company. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> God, my last memory of watching the Pink Panther cartoon, I was sick in bed with a wild fever. Like, probably mm. should have gone to the hospital fever. And I remember it as the most surreal, dreamlike experience of my life, watching yeah. Pink Panther and just not knowing where the boundaries of the television and the room I was in ended. It's just my whole world was this panther and his antics, and I was just captive. I had a, a good friend of mine. Uh, we used to, before, like, Cartoon Network and the world deemed Looney Tunes too dangerous and too <laughs> violent for children, uh, I'd go hang out with him, and uh, we'd just sit and watch Looney Tunes Hell and Pink yeah. Panther, because they would play them all on a block during the day, yeah, yeah. like when kids were at school and shit, you know? <laughs> Good pick, though. I, yeah, I didn't even think about solid. the Pink Panther. Yeah, It's really good. All right, Jake. Okay, I, I got something for you. You guys are probably all familiar with the movie Starship Troopers. Yeah. And there are 100,000 sequels that no one cares about, but the first one's a solid bit of absurd fun. There was a series 
a computer-generated series in a time when computer-generated series were not common. Obviously, this series was made at tremendous expense. It was called Roughnecks, and it followed the Roughneck Company, a group of these troopers fighting against this Klendathu bug menace. Uh And it was extraordinary. First off, it was outrageously violent. Like, it was ostensibly a kid's show. But there was more more dismemberment per minute of airtime than any other program since, I don't know, fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Everything was getting torn apart because, A, they're bugs and you can get away with a lot of violence when mm-hmm. it's just a bug. And, B, it's a show about war you know, right. between humans and bugs. And I remember it being just the coolest. I used to watch it before school almost every morning. And... I think if you were to watch it today, it probably wouldn't hold up too much. The animation's old, you know, and CGI does not age well with the rapid advances in technology. (laughs) But the stories were solid. The characters were cool. And it was action-packed, dude. And I remember them bringing in the, uh, what was it? Neil Patrick Harris had a character in the first one, maybe some of the others, who was like a psychically sensitive sort of special agent. I can't recall if it was that character or someone similarly sensitive, but... Uh, you know, I, I when I think of Starship Troopers, I've never actually seen the film. Really? I, I've watched pieces of it here and there, but I feel like that movie kind of falls into the same realm as, say, Independence Day. Oh, no question. Now, if you go back to, I don't remember, was it 98 that that movie came Something out? Something like that. I mean, it was blockbuster. That shit took the world. Yeah. I mean, it was huge, and now it's laughable. Mm-hmm. And I've got a, an affection for it, a love for it, because I was in, I was in when it was movie. I was there when it was big. Me too. You know, and um, I we've talked about you know being in. I think last week when we were talking Jim Henson, we had mentioned uh, Dark Crystal. Yeah, and saying how you know you can't go into it when you now. see it past its time. It's not the yeah. same. Yeah, uh, with the with the wonderment of a child, you know, when you yeah. watch, it's like oh, this is awesome, <laughs> and you and you hold that. You it know, changes that you. feeling yeah. becomes nostalgia. So I don't think I can watch Starship Troopers now and enjoy it. That's totally understandable. When I have tried, I thought, this is fucking stupid. What are people (laughs) talking about, man? I personally, I I love it. But Roughnecks. I see that. It was an amazing show. It was, I mean, for the time. Well, that was probably a lot more modernized, too. Yeah. Yeah, It was very high quality. For sure. So that was my favorite. (laughs) What else have we got here? Um... Of course, MASH and ER, mm, yeah. your acronym shows, <laughs> both spawn from movies, right? Yeah. I've never seen a MASH movie. No, nor Or the ER movie, for that matter. I don't mm-hmm. th- really think I watched ER. I just wanted to mention them because they were both acronyms. Yeah. And here we are. It's done. It's, it's <laughs> Now that we've got that behind us. <laughs> well, with that, since that went by so quickly, did you guys realize there was a very, very short-lived and my God, uh, I can't even imagine Blazing Saddles television show. Oh, no. No. Yes. Really? Wow. Yes, they tried to bring uh, uh, Bart to the, uh, to the small screen there. <laughs> How? I don't know. I don't think it ever like took wind. They may have aired the pilot, but I know in certain uh, like special editions of Blazing Saddles, you can buy that actually have the uh, the, the first five episodes of that series. And it oh wasn't, my gosh! Yeah, it wasn't the same guy playing it, and I can't imagine it was uh, as thick with the racial humor. No, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I figured they'd have to censor most of the dialogue. You know, yeah, anything that comes yeah. out of their mouth. Yeah. You know the damnedest thing? I was flipping through television the other day and saw Blazing Saddles on. And I thought, how is that on TV? Like, yeah. You'd have to, like, beep or change, like, half the dialogue. It's, it's short. And, God, 
What a killer movie. You couldn't make Blazing Saddles no, today. No, you couldn't. Oh, no. It's a real product of its time. Yeah, it's yeah. grandfathered in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gene Wilder, man. He was, he's, what he's was the, the Waco kid? Yeah, yeah. He was perfect. Oh, man. Oh. Salt of the earth, common clay of yes. the West. <laughs> you know, <laughs> morons. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, we are back to you, James. Yes. Uh, do you have an, uh, so, any other show that to mention? Another show. Um, okay. There was a young Indiana Jones. Oh, you know, with, I remember with, that. With, with, yes. with what's his name? He was the heart. He's a heartthrob now. And Sean Patrick Flannery, right? He was a young man in that. Isn't that him? I couldn't tell you. I, I never. I just. Knew I think it, it is. I didn't ever yeah. watch it. Yeah, I think it's Sean Patrick Flannery when he was a youngster. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, that was it. Was interesting, you know. I and he was uh, trying to go down that route again, like uh, mm-hmm. like retire. Like there was going to be another Indiana Jones movie where Harrison kind of passed the torch or the whip, have you rather, off to uh, like his son, or mm-hmm. maybe that's what they were trying to do with Shia LaBeouf. But after <laughs> the last one was <laughs> so Shia LaBeouf. fucking yeah. bad. Yeah, he's yeah. been punching too many people in the face, I think. Oh, boy. There is a, a definitely he, an upper limit to how many people you can punch. Even if he hadn't been that movie, oh my god, it was garbage. When he was when he was swinging on the vines with all the monkeys <laughs> to keep up with the car chase, I thought, oh my god, what has happened? This shit show Shameless. is clear off rail. Like, can we go see uh, Seed of Chucky or something? Like, this is bullshit. <laughs> all right, back to you, Jake. I got a weird one, so bear with me. All right. Okay, and I don't even know if this qualifies for our criteria, but I'm just going to forge on ahead. You guys know Twin Peaks? Uh, oh, yeah. Because of you. Okay. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've heard of it, Oof. and I've, I've, I'm aware of its existence. I've suddenly never realized it. the psychological damage I've inflicted on. No, no. <laughs> I, come no, on. How no, many times have I, I mentioned the Ninja Turtles like, <laughs> yeah. on a weekly basis? But, uh, yeah, Twin Peaks was a, a short-lived but super bizarre, and I, I think it was a pretty awesome show by David Lynch. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, again, I, though I haven't seen it, I've heard great yeah, things yeah, about it. Yeah, super cool. They brought it back recently, but there was a, a movie they made at the conclusion, or rather the cancellation of uh, the show that was a prequel to the show that sort of elucidated and like finally showed the details of what happened leading up to the events of the show. And I understand that doesn't make it a series based on a movie, but chronologically, it was an interesting move to have this already established storyline and then throw something totally new and say like, yes, and this happened before all that. And the movie was, oh my god! Like I, I thought it was amazing. I'm a David really? Lynch fan, you mm-hmm. know, but I, I see why people don't like it. I totally get why it's divisive. It was such a misfire. Like all the things <laughs> that were fun about Twin Peaks, kind of, really kind of wackiness to it, the mystery, the weird existential horrors, the strangeness. But it was all kind of lighthearted in places. None of that was present in the movie. The movie was midnight pitch black. Why did they do that? When, you know, they decide... I think of, like, the uh, Power Ranger movie, for example, you know? (laughs) Here were the Power Rangers back in the 90s at the height of their popularity, and they're like, we're making the motion picture. But that's not enough. Well, we we need a new bad guy. Well, Zordon can't look this way he did on the TV show. (laughs) Let's get a whole new face to be everything. Uh, Yeah, so you, you go to the film, watch all these new characters you don't know portraying people you're supposed to know. Right. 
and who cares? And who yeah. cares? Who fucking cares? <laughs> yeah. But the, the reason I thought this was worth mentioning is because it was an interesting interaction between the show and the movie. Sure. So that's my submission. Sure. Um, one I want to mention here is a show I haven't even seen yet. I don't even know if it's out yet. I initially had no interest in was Cobra Kai. Oh, yeah. The the, the new Karate Kid uh, TV show or what yeah. is it, Amazon Prime show is it going to be on? I don't How remember. was that or like YouTube Red or Maybe something? Maybe that's what it was. Um, but when I first heard about this, I thought, I don't want to watch that dumb shit. You know, it's just a right. boy. But I recently saw an extended trailer to it. And boy, if it did not get me yeah. excited. Because you, uh, yeah, I thought, why would I want to watch the bad guy's <laughs> point of view? Actually, you know, I I was never really gung ho about watching the show, and I, I still haven't watched it, obviously. But I remember thinking it was at the very least a cool concept. Well, it's been it's a total role reversal, yeah. is what it is. Yeah. You see Daniel, you know, become this He's like the big shop, yeah. like car dealership owner, right. and what you know, what Daniel's road to success, you know, what has done to the people in its wake. You know, it's almost like the moral of the story is power makes you an asshole and it just it just flips the dynamic yeah. totally you know daniel russo is not your you're not the who you're cheering for right. anymore so he's, that's he's the dick that's at the very least like a good move not just making it like oh his son is now training under who gives a damn you know? right right there's, so there's something I, real since i've seen that extend, extended trailer i'm really stoked to watch this cool uh show oh, hey tell me how it is i will I will. I mean, if, but if it's on YouTube Reb, I probably won't. I, I can't imagine <laughs> signing up for that shit. Well, to... Abby has an account. Does she? Yeah. I'll tell you how it is. Fuck it. I don't know. We'll Just give me the it fucking out. password. I'll give you the password. All right. Jeez. <laughs> it's not mine to give, but okay. Thanks, Abby. <laughs> All right. Oh, guys, do you have any other submissions? I think I'm tapped out. I just got really stoked on those two, and I kind of blanked on the rest. Here, here's one, and it's sure. new, it was newer, but it's gone now. But uh, you know, from Evil Dead, Ash versus uh, oh, the Evil shit. Dead. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, so that was a good one. Oh, that was a ton of fun. I love that. You know, hell out of that. I'll tell you a funny anecdote. We were watching that with some friends that don't watch racy things, you know, whatever. <laughs> and it was on regular whatever channel it was on we yeah. were watching ash versus evil dead it was so you know awesome tongue-in-cheek campy you know i'm thinking it's like you know batman 66 da, oh. da, 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 da. and we're just going along with it and then the next thing you know he's in the bathroom humping some girl or whatever and, they, <laughs> and i just I died laughing because i didn't know that that was even going to be in that oh yeah I, you know what I'm saying. Right. I, it, they, they just it was just an added thing that I just didn't expect, and and the way it was done, it was funny. You know, so I was just cracking up. But anyway, That's, that just goes to show the the kind of entertainment you can make when you don't give a good goddamn. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like you know what? I like it. It's going in the show, right? Well, what about this? Here's a huge example. I can't believe you didn't mention Uh-oh. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, Jesus H. You know, I'm upset with myself. Now. I've I've never seen the show, but I used to watch it near religiously. But still, yeah, I mean, that's probably one of the a prime Hell example because yeah, right? I know nothing about the movie. I don't know. If I don't anyone think many does. Do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, totally different a- actress in that. Uh, the series still has a, a comic book that's going strong. Yeah, and that that's an actual like canon continuation. It correct? is of yeah. the of the series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As I understand it, uh, yeah, I love that. How about Fargo? Fargo, I never watched, but I heard very good things. I love the movie. Yeah, the movie was great, and I think uh, the what's I don't know. Those were good. 
I don't Those were good. Her name, uh, the main cop in Fargo. I think she goes into the series. Like they keep the actress. Oh, do they really? I think I've never watched it, so I just think I saw her in trailers. Huh. Yeah, the Fargo that we saw, it was like a. I don't know if each one was a season or it was so many in a row because they had a story and there was a storyline and they went through it piece by piece. And then the next time it was a, it was a new, new character group and a new storyline and a new happening. And it was all, it was, it was very interesting. It's pretty cool. Kirsten Dunst was in one of those. Was she? Yeah. Yeah. I need to watch the film again. I remember yeah. so little about it except for, I just That's remember the wood one. chipper and, the, and the, the blood on the snow. Uh, it's got Peter Stormare who I love. Mm-hmm. It was, I, it was a good movie. Yeah. All right, guys. I think that's. Uh, I, I think we hit. Oh, some... we got another one coming up here, though. Uh, uh, what's his name? Favreau. Uh, John Favreau. John Favreau. Yeah. He's doing the Mandalorian series, the Star Wars Mandalorian series. Is he really? Yeah. Mm. Wow, that live action under my radar series. It's going to be coming out. It's supposed huh. to take place after Return of the Jedi and before Force Awakens. So in that gap, I like that we're filling that up with stuff other than comics. <laughs> yeah. I mean, comics has filled a lot of that gap, but um, I want to see it. Uh, I want to see it live action. You want some action? So I, I, I cool. think with him doing Something it, it should at. be good. I like John Favreau. I do too. All right. Well, that's enough of that. I think we uh, named some good ones there. I don't <laughs> yeah. know if we could. We might be able to pull a few more out of the ether, but personally, I think Roughnecks was the best submission. I, I'm going to go ahead and applaud myself on that one. I think I really knocked it out of the park. All right, good job. Awesome. Thanks. There we go. <laughs> so it's unanimous. <laughs> I have won this retro round. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good job, Jake. All right. We'll get you your cookie and uh, your medal later. <laughs> With that, we have T-shirts, people at society6.com forward slash pod. I wonder why we even do these commercials. <laughs> no one buys the shit. But if you did, oh, just think of what a trend you'd be setting. Doesn't have to be much. Just buy a decal. Yeah. Throw it on the back of your car. Let people decals. behind you know. I'm listening to Candair. Mm-hmm. They're just going to see it and be like, what the fuck does Candair and a radio tower have to do with each other? It's not going <laughs> to be. That's not sense. for you to know. No. But you'll know. You'll know, and you'll, that's what you'll be you'll be much you'll, you'll be, be uh, secretly smug. Yeah, that's that's what it is. You have that little side smile on your face, going like, "Well, I know, but you don't." Society dot com forward slash Pod. Go get some of our crap, people. <laughs> All right, and with that, let's swing open the door to the comic vault. I regret to say. Gentlemen, I do not have a comic this week. As I've Jake, done the same thing a number of times. So. As Jake knows, it's been pure pandemonium Dude. around here. <laughs> Up until moments before this show actually started, I had my first shower in three days because the hot water heater blew. I've been taking whore baths in the sink, Jake. <laughs> it's not been fun. It's not been You know, fun. top and tail. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I ask for your. Uh, I'm sure that shower that shower was a transformative experience. Oh my god, though. it was Oof. the <laughs> yeah gentle embrace. You, you take for granted Dude. how refreshing a shower can be. Yeah. Who would like to go first this week? I'll go first. Why not? <laughs> right, kick us off. There. Um, this is a relatively short comic that I read, and you know I was going to talk about something else this week. But as I was sort of trolling through this website I like to go to that aggregates funny pictures and things of interest, I saw this comic. It was called Don't Let Go, author by the name of Strangely Katie, who you can find on Twitter just by that same moniker, Strangely K-A-T-I-E, um, who's involved in a number of different projects and webcomics. I found out after having been exposed to this one, uh, extremely prolific artist. But this comic 
without giving away too much of the ending, is the story of what would appear to be an android, some kind of humanoid robot carrying uh, a woman, a a dead woman, who's very visibly damaged in what looks to be a post-apocalyptic setting, or at the very least, near total collapse. Barren wasteland? Not quite. It's it's an urban center at the start. Okay. Um, but you can see the buildings are decayed. Kids are running around with bats attacking people. It's it's rough. There's mention of shelters and the need to get there. So there's a global catastrophe afoot. And this droid is, is silently, stoically carrying the body of this woman who you presume to mean something really serious to him in spite of all these obstacles he runs into, including, you know, acid rain that seems to be falling from the sky. I don't know if that's the disaster or a symptom of it whatever destroyed the world but um it's just a really brutally heart-wrenching story of of this this droid it's it's devotion to this this person who you find out through the comic was about the only person who ever showed him kindness Hmm. you know and some tragic fate befalls her and her last request was when i die take me away from here take me somewhere that glitters i think she said, and so through all these hardships and all these disasters and everything, he just wants to get this woman somewhere she can be at peace. Hmm. And the art style is cool. Yeah, oh, it's 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 a wonderful story, and and the style is clean. The colors are very saturated and rich. Um, there's not a lot of gradation in it. Everything's very look garish isn't the word because that's got kind of a negative connotation, but vibrant. Mm-hmm. And somehow the vibrancy of that color drives home the grimness of the setting. I don't know if that makes any sense, sure. but it's extraordinary to see these people that have an almost Disney-esque quality to them in these terrible situations. It hurts so much more somehow. Right. So um, I'm going to be looking at the rest of this artist's work because I was so thoroughly Sounds impressed. Really cool. Yeah. So don't let go. Strangely, Katie, I would highly recommend anyone check out this comic and everything else she has to offer. Because I'm 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 a fan. You find some good stuff. I yeah. I get really lucky. <clears throat> I stumble upon some amazing stuff. Yeah. Hmm. You have a, you have a good radar cool. for good comics. I try. <laughs> Very good. Very good. All right, James. Would you like to go next? I would. Um, since we're saying vault, in my mind, I'm thinking back in the day, maybe something that's been around a long time, sure. a classic, and uh, one that came to mind for me was uh, Commandy. It, which was uh, from the very early 70s when Jack King Kirby came over to D.C. Oh, wow. You remember that? Really? Yeah, yeah. You need to check it out because they've re- they've started to redo this, and I, I am ashamed of myself for not buying these, but they have uh, started restarted or rebooted Commandy with guests, artists, and, and writers making this really good montage uh, based on that storyline. Um, Commandy was the last boy on Earth, and this – the whole concept was an apocalyptic thing again, because that's one of Kirby's favorite things. <laughs> and, uh, uh, the, the protagonist commandy, they called him again, the last boy on earth. I'm repeating myself, but the, the animals in there all had intelligence and spoke and they ruled, they ruled the world like planet of the apes. Only it was all the animals. They had tigers and, you know, hyenas, wow. whatever. Boy, and, they all uh, banded together. Yeah, Exactly. And, and so they would uh, – they captured and kept humans 
like they did in uh, Planet of the Apes, you know, and uh, it was it was it was very interesting. Of course, they had weapons and things uh, that were, you know, post-apocalyptic and still futuristic from where we were at that time in the early 70s. And and so it was it was quite a quite a unique story. And I would ride my bicycle to 7-Eleven in the early 70s after I got my money from throwing papers and I'd go buy Commandy and and uh, Hulk, etc. That's awesome. Those are the best memories. I love that stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that's what makes it so fun to read comics. When happiness just costs you a few quarters. Mm-hmm. A simpler time. <laughs> I remember yep. I used to get my comics. Uh, there used to be a little store, a little grocery store called Trout Lines <laughs> uh, mm. where I grew up. And there was just a little tiny end cap near the cash registers. It only had like a few Archie comics. And that's where I'd always get my comics and junk stuff. Yeah. Blow my money there. If that's all they had, that's all you needed. It works. Spoiled I mean, for choice these days. That's responsible for where I'm at right here, right <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Trout Lines. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, though. Very good. All right. Successful comic vault, Indeed. I would say. Indeed. Well, with that behind us, let's turn our full attention over to James and talk the Bobcat. I'm really excited to hear more about this project. It looks like it takes place in 1898, the Indian Territory. Hmm. I, I'm just going to let you tell uh, the listeners all about it, James. Okay, I will do that. Thank you. Uh, it is 1898 Indian Territory. Will Firemaker is a Cherokee blacksmith living in Tahlequah. He has one foot deep in Native American Cherokee culture and one in the Anglo-European culture, and which makes the character very unique because he has a knowledge of both sides, and, and he he's like you and I. He actually believes that the legends and mythology of the tribe are, are fairy tales in reality until they begin to come to life. And he begins to experience, we're, we're using authentic Cherokee mythology in this. And uh, these these creatures, these beings um, that are going to uh, appear during the course of the series, um, there's something that he is in awe of sort of like the reader is at the same time. He's going through that experience with you, you know, saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe this, you know. Right. Um, he, uh, the Bobcat, we came up, the, the name we came up with, there was a lot of uh, different things behind it. I actually thought up the name, the Bobcat, and thought of that character as a Native American from Oklahoma uh, literally like 40 years ago when I was a kid. And maybe more, well, probably more like 45. And I was a, I was a big Black Panther fan at the time when I first got the idea. And of course, Black Panther in the early 70s was not the phenomenon it is today. Sure. But, but, but I liked, I liked the costume and the character, and I liked the cat thing. And so I thought, okay, you know, I was in elementary school. Um, I want to have my own superhero. I want to have uh, a guy from Oklahoma. I want to have a, a Native American because there's not a plethora of Native American characters in the in comic books, and uh, and, and and I like the cat theme. So that's where I first thought about that, and I I did little bits of development and whatever uh, over the years, and then you know. Fast forward so many years later, I spent 30 years being a, a grown-up, you know, a dad, uh, husband, going to college and doing the, the legit things you're supposed to do as a grown-up. And then I came back to this. It was, oh, 
five years ago when I really put it back on the table and I started to really develop it and uh, started to put everything together. This is a fictional narrative that has the authentic Cherokee mythology, and it also has actual events and people from history that were in Indian territory in 1898. Uh, They're going to make cameos. Um, Will Rogers, Jim Thorpe, Pistol Pete, uh, Bass Reeves is going to appear in that, and Bass Reeves was the only black marshal west of the Mississippi back in the day at that time. And he had come from the South during the Civil War. He actually killed the guy that that owned him and took off and hid in Indian territory, lived with the tribes, and learned their languages. This is all true. And uh, uh, he learned their languages, and he could get along just fine. And then when the Civil War was over, um, you know, he he had uh, acquaintances and knew different people here and there, and he he took the marshal job. Really, probably one of the only reasons is it was so dadgum dangerous, and so many other people were scared to do it. And so he just jumped right up there and took it. And uh, the, you know, the story is that he he never he never failed to bring someone in. He always got his man, wow. and uh, and he and he survived. He he had he was shot a few times, but he lived. Uh, so, but anyway, I, I digress. So Bass Reeves will appear in there. Um, we have in the fictional portion of this, we've got steampunk, you know, bad guys from the industrial age that are going to make appearances such as the first one to appear, uh, which is in this first volume. He just makes a cameo at the end, kind of like Wolverine does at the end of the Hulk, you know, when he first shows up, uh, first for the first time. Um, he, uh, it's Dr. Shock, and Dr. Shock is a, a person that is a demented genius, and he's harnessing the power of electricity. And of course, in 1898 Indian Territory, the science and the weaponry in no way stood up against anything like that. Right. So, so uh, that's part of the the uh, attraction of this is to is to have this guy uh, doing this thing. He is a uh, contemporary of Nikola Tesla. And, I was just thinking. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Yep. 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 And so that kind of explains I've got a story of where he came from and, and, and what happened, but it's not in volume one. It is written, but it's in uh, basically chapter four, uh, which will be in volume two. Uh, we've got three chapters per volume, one, two, and three are in volume one, chapter two, or volume two is uh, chapter four. And uh, it it opens up. I'm, I'm not going to spoil it too much, but just to, to get everybody's whistle wetted uh, <laughs> as a teaser, um, it opens in 1895, three years before, in New York City, where Tesla had his lab. And that's where the that story begins. And you see some things transpire. Uh, there was actually in, in history, there was a fire that burned his lab down. And we're going to explain that in a fictional way. Uh, in in chapter four with oh, dr funny. shock that's my favorite story i know telling it, and i think that's why i've always preferred marvel over dc like i've said on the show before because they are grounded in reality you yeah. know like i remember when watching the comp or reading comics when september 11th happened you know everything stopped and all yeah. these characters diverged from what they were doing to deal with real but you see dr doom with a tear coming out of his yeah. face plate you know? so you know i mm-hmm. i don't know there's just so much appeal when you when can you're tying around real events like that not Absolutely. just take advantage of a historical setting but weave it into your 
fictionalized elements. That's just, it's like, to me, this is going to sound stupid. It's the sweet and salty, you right. know? It's, yes, it's, yes. It's two things that go together so flawlessly that on their own are fine, but they complement each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm just a sucker for that kind of thing. Alternate histories, that's that's my bread and butter. Hell, that's that's what we're doing these days. <laughs> show. Oh, yeah, that's true with What If. For exactly. sure. So, yeah, I'm all about that, especially awesome. the American... West Indian territories. Oh yeah, all the stuff. Yeah. There's so much rich culture here that doesn't get any screen time. I, I love seeing that in a comic. And not you even... just nailed it right there. You nailed it. The East Coast and the West Coast. I'm not casting aspersions, but they there's a great ignorance to the culture there, the blended culture of the Native Americans and the you know Anglo-European culture, the settlers there, and what we have in Oklahoma and what's been handed down to us. And there is a wealth a treasure trove of true stories and events and things and and myths and legends that are just out there that i i don't even need to create they're there That's and then and then imagine uh, you know adding these things in my creations and weaving them in with it you know I, I'm, I'm hoping this is just gonna you know bounce right off the page so well, from what i was seeing i mean i haven't read it yet but That's based on the visuals bet. yeah um, my God, it already was jumping off the page. I mean, I love the way the character looks. You know, his he doesn't so much have a mask, more so like a cowl almost. Very similar to the, to Batman in a it's kind of a way, if that makes sense. But it just, I it love is. the look of the character. Yeah. I, I love everything you're saying. I don't see how this could go wrong. <laughs> Thank you. The, uh, the, the costume itself, and I did, again, I need to be careful about not spoiling, but um, <laughs> the, the great cat is... The character at the very beginning of the book, and that's that's how he becomes the Bobcat. And the Great Cat has something to do with his costume. Um, and the the Great Cat is uh, someone that the tribe feels were sent by the ancestors to kind of watch over and be a guardian of the people. And the cat is very elusive and mysterious, uh, but he reveals himself only to certain people and those people are the chosen and so the cat you know reveals himself to will uh as a child and they form a bond and so the medicine man his name is unaduti and uh he starts calling him gunhei and gunhei in cherokee is bobcat so that's <laughs> and then it goes from there and then he, he basically he's he's to be called uh to, to carry the torch uh, in in place of the cat, the great cat. He is called to that, and, and he steps up to the plate for that calling. And, and he, he does it willingly, but he does it while he is flabbergasted and in awe of what is happening, right? Well, yeah, as someone who's just had his eyes opened to the old legends being true. And I'm, yes. I'm so excited to read this because, you know, I, I was – born in Ohio and I've spent most of my life here on the mm-hmm. East Coast and I moved to Nevada when I was uh, when I was in my teenage years and native culture out there is so much stronger and richer and more apparent it's it suffuses everything but at the same time the wounds still run really deep so oh, yeah. it's, it's hard to interface with that and I remember having such a fascination with it but not knowing a respectful angle at which to come to it, you know, feeling very much like an outsider. And I, I'm, I'm eager to, to, to experience it through this comic. I, I want to see what this can provide, you know, and I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm just 
really excited to see the Cherokee legends and mythology because it's something that interested me, but I just never had access. Right. Yeah, and and uh, I think this is something that there there are elements of this story, the way it comes together, to cover most genres actually you can put them all together science fiction fantasy supernatural the old west you know um those there's those elements are all in there and uh one of my evil schemes (laughs) that i want to accomplish with this is to educate everybody through killer entertainment and, and things that people did not seek out before to find out about or to learn about, all of a sudden, because of this story that they're really getting into and all these things that are entertaining the heck out of them, they're going to start to learn things that are there that uh, they were unaware of before. And, uh, and that's you know. such a successful model, too, because if you come oh, yeah. at it too strong, like letting the, list, the reader know – you know, we're going to teach you something or come at it from almost like right. a teacher perspective. You're going to lose them right yeah, away. If, if you're, you're heavy handed right. with a it. lesson in disguise, almost, if you will. Yes. And a very entertaining one. It's actually what, what they're learning is they're going to people will say, well, well this is cool. Why didn't I know this? You know, yeah. Um, but yeah, we uh, I mean, the Trail of Tears is is briefly, briefly in a very light handed way, but yet in a very respectful way. Uh, it appears in volume one and it's, it's, it's mentioned there and all of a sudden it's like, boom, wow. Okay. And then it goes back to the story. It's like a, you know, it's a flashback revelation and, uh, it, it gives people a taste of it and it's, it's the, the, the trail of tears, which most everyone knows about, but right. it's, ex- it's explained a little bit at the end. We've got a history section where we talk about things that appeared in the story, uh, in the course of it, uh, at the very end, just giving actual history and facts, even though it's not extensive, um, it, it's there if, if someone is interested and it's at the end of the book uh, and not in the middle of the, the narrative and, and the entertainment that's going on at the time. The characters, again, in there, we've got in, what is it, chapter three, we've got uh, Frank James and his son make an appearance. And Frank James lived in Indian Territory, Oklahoma, for a period of time, and a lot of people don't know that. And so Frank James is making a cameo in there uh, as well. Let's see. What have I not told you about? Let's see. Oh, the artist. I need to talk about the artist. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I apologize. Uh, Jim Mesling is the artist for this. And uh, I'll tell you quickly the, the story of how we met one another in uh, 2016. And I'm going to be digressing like crazy in this when I start to tell you things. I'm like, <laughs> By oh, all means. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we were at Wizard World Tulsa in 2016, and we were there to see a couple of people, including – I'm name-dropping, but who cares? Uh, we went to go see Neil Adams, who oh, – yeah. is, He is the artist that actually pinned the very first professional standard for the Bobcat character that I had no him do it. kidding. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, Neil Adams, I, I'm a crazy silver and bronze age freak on the comics and stuff. And, of course, you know, he, he came up with the, the whole real Dark Knight Batman right. thing. He's yeah, he saying Batman. Um, so he was a hero of mine, just like William Shatner, Captain Kirk. 
you know, there's Absolutely. Neil Adams. And so those were like my heroes big time. And so it was so exciting to be able to go meet him and have him uh, participate in this. It's like one of those surreal dream come true things, you know. Yeah, so. I, you know, I, I regret. I saw him at a uh, con we were at a few years ago. No one around him. He was just kind of chilling. I think we even made eye contact at one point, and I didn't go up to him. I always regretted that. I don't know why I didn't. But um, he's still he's still hitting cons. You'll get to see him again, and I definitely talked to him. He's very he's very cool, and he gives you some really uh, interesting anecdotes about things. He's really he's got a he's got a great personality, and of course he's a legend. Um, of so back. Back to where I was before I jumped off the rails again. Uh, <laughs> that's what this show's we all there. about. Oh, yeah. That's the right. Rails. Okay. Well, I'm perfect for this. I'm, I'm Captain ADD myself. <laughs> um, anyway, we uh, we were there doing the thing, and I had some of that initial art that I picked up from him uh, at that show and had it in my hand plus some of my outlines and things. And my wife called me from the other side of the convention and said, I'm over here in the artist alley, and I was over there with all the celebrities, you know, and uh, uh, she said, come over here. There's there's a guy that uh, has some really cool art that I think you're going to like. And so I said, hey. so I walked over there. It, Jim was there, and, and, you know, he introduced himself. I'm like, I'm James. He's Jim Mesling. And we started looking at his work and talking about it, and I said, well, you know, I've actually got a book I'm in the process of beginning right now, and I, I told him about it, that it was, you know, a superhero based in uh, in the Old West, 1898, and he was a Native American, and, and he just looked at me, and his eyes got larger, and he said, who's doing your work? And I said, well, I don't know. I'm just kind of getting it going. I want to do it. And so, wow. and, and you know, and the rest is history because it just so happens that that gentleman uh, loves the whole Western theme. He loves anything to do with Native American culture and lore. And we had no idea. We'd never laid eyes on him before. He is from Des Moines, Iowa, and he just happened to be there. And uh, so I have to thank my wife, Doreen. She got us all together and made this part of it happen because she found wow. him and called over there to talk to him. So It's almost like it was meant to be. Yeah. Very stars serious. align. That's right. That's awesome. Um, Jim, uh, he is an animator, and he's done a couple of uh, animated shorts uh, of uh, from Star Wars, and he actually got an award for one of them from uh, Lucasfilm. Holy cow! Really? Which is really cool. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of it's a it's a humor based one. You know, it's not like the serious stuff, but it's really cool. Um, what is it called? Uh, Pit of Pit of Carcoon. I think that's what it's called. Uh, look up Jim Mesling, and you'll find those, and you get to see those. You'll, you'll absolutely love them. So he's he's done that too. He is a uh, an artist for Tops, and he's done a few uh, two or three Walking Dead series trading cards. Done original wow. art on those. And I didn't know uh, Tops was still putting trading cards <laughs> out. Are they really going strong? I guess that's awesome. And and he's done like maybe 10 or 12 Star Wars series. They have like a 40th anniversary. The Force Awakens, they've got da-da-da-da. And he's wow. done those original cards. And those are, it's an actual card. They send him a blank, and he draws right on that blank. It's his original oh, art. yes. I have seen those. And so they're like these, you know, Easter egg is an understatement when you find them in the packs. Every so often <laughs> someone gets one, and it's like, whoa. Um, I, uh, I, he gets proofs that he gets to have returned to him that he selects after he does every series. And he had some from walking dead and he had some proofs of, uh, Abraham Ford, uh, Michael Cudlitz. And 
he had a, two of them that I really liked, and so we, we bought them from him. And uh, uh, it was the next year, it was like in 17, I guess, yeah. Uh, I w- talked to Michael Cudlitz, and we were talking about things, and I was talking to him about the Bobcat, and that's another story. But um, anyway, I produced this card, and he was like, dude, this is cool. And he was looking at me kind of like, can, am I, do I get to keep this? I'm like, no, you just get to sign it. I'm keeping it, man. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I got, got it signed by Cudlitz and he thought it was killer. So we were just like, yes. So That's I had awesome. to call the, call Jim and say, dude, he signed your card and he loved it. You know? So that's how Jim and I uh, got together on this, and uh, he's he's just an amazing artist, and he uses all all kinds of forms. He does pencil and ink and digital, and, every, and, he, and he blends it all together, and it's very uh, it has a very natural flow to it, you know. Well, one thing that uh, I mean seems apparent now after hearing you talk and seeing the cover art and everything was that uh, you're it's it's a successful combination when both artist and writer are as passionate as yeah. you both are. And, uh, you know, I get excited. It, it, passion is infectious. Oh, yeah. It uh, reads. You see it on absolutely. the Absolutely. Exactly. So um, I'm excited to see this. And from what I was seeing online, it looks like it can be picked up at your uh, website, ArcadiaProductions.net. Is there anywhere else that uh, people should be getting this? Yes. We, we just literally activated... Uh, but see, you can't really buy there. You can contact me, but you can't purchase it from me there. We've got thebobcat.net. So oh, we wow. have a we have a site that my my nephew who's an IT whiz uh, he put it he he's got it up and online there is a link to to buy from Amazon uh, right now and they have it and they're printing on demand right now oh, nice. um, uh, that book um, but getting it from me you go through Arcadia Productions and you can request it and I can send it to you but uh, honestly right now the the uh, retail on the book. Is uh, eighteen ninety nine, which that's another thing. Is supposed to we should have had eighteen ninety eight, but uh, anyway. <laughs> Damn that <laughs> penny. Oh, hindsight's always yeah, twenty twenty. My, my wife caught that one too. She's the one that pointed it out. I was like, "Dad Gummit, you're right." So anyway, I'm going to talk to the publisher about that. But uh, they have it on demand on uh, Amazon right now, and if you, of course, if you have Prime. Uh, it's free shipping, and I think it was. I looked at it yesterday, and they had a. They were running a special on it, whatever, because they're the ones printing it or whatever, and it's like thirteen fifty or yeah. something. Wow. So it's a great deal, and I've seen the copies that come from them, because some friends of mine ordered it and had me sign them, and they're very good quality. So, um, some sometimes you get on demand printing from uh, Amazon, and people are not real ha- pleased with it, but the quality of these books are, is really good. So there's that. Um, the, the book will be in the comic book stores at the first of the year. I'm not sure exactly the date, but I know that it will appear in the, uh, in diamond previews, the trade magazine for all the comic stores, uh, next month in December. And I'm not sure when they actually get an eye the Yeah. Yeah, so it'll, they'll be in there, and that way the comic stores can uh, can order them and, and have them. You know, it's like a, a little over a month before they get them after after they order. Okay, so, very cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I pick up that preview every time I'm in the comic store, yeah. so I, it's always fun to go through and see, oh, we've had them on the show or something, you know. <laughs> oh, that's a good feeling. Yeah. <laughs> feel awesome. Big on myself a little bit <laughs> <Yes>. there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> James, I want to thank you so much for being here. We're going to have links up uh, for all these places to, for people to pick up 
the Bobcat on our social media, Twitter, yes, Facebook, website, all that. And people can find you on uh, Twitter at Far From West 64, correct? From from the West 64. Oh, and, boy. Uh, I wrote something yeah. completely different down. <laughs> <laughs> From the well, West. Well, I mean, you, yeah, you could put farm the rest, the West, and that kind of goes together, but it's from the West 64. And then I've got a, uh, a Bobcat Facebook page, cool. uh, the, the Bobcat, and they can, they can go kind of check things out there. Um, I was going to throw in one more little anecdote, unless you sure. have to get off real, no, right now. Ahead. We were in Biloxi a month ago at uh, Gulf Coast Fan Fest, and uh, I'm not going to drop this guy's name, but He's an iconic actor that was in a, a big superhero revival movie from the 70s. He was there as uh, some of the, the guest talent, and I'd never met him before. Superman. But I had, was it Superman? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't Superman. Um, but you're in the ballpark. But uh, anyway, uh, and if, if you guess it, you do. I'm just I'm kind of teasing you with it. But well, now he, I'm like uh, dying to know. This gentleman uh, walked over to my booth. And I, again, I'd never spoken to him before. I didn't know him. And uh, he started to, I knew who he was, but he started to ask me about the story and I've explained it to him. And then I got to the steampunk bad dudes and, uh, Colonel Silas, uh, is one of the characters that, uh, was, uh, he changed sides from the North to the South in this, during the civil war, because he thought early on the South was going to win. And he did it for money, made a deal with the, the president of the Confederacy, and he's got a superior weaponry and all this other stuff, you know. And uh, he went underground after the Civil War, and of course he's going to rear his ugly head. And uh, again, he has sophisticated weapons and machinery that uh, are, are very feasible for this time, for sure, but way beyond anything the people from 1898 Indian Territory can stand up to. Um, so Colonel Silas is this unique character. And anyway, this, this, uh, this actor walked up and he, and when I told him about that, he said, you know what? I can ride a horse all day long. When you get this into production, I want to be Colonel Silas. That's what he said. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> wow. It was, uh, it was Sam J. Jones. He made an appearance, uh, in Ted, like Ted two, I think it was. Oh uh, shit. I know exactly yeah, yeah. who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was uh, Flash Gordon in the 70s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, Queen did a song for the movie, you know, Flash. Oh. That's a hell of a song. Yeah. Hell yeah. I was just singing <laughs> that the other day. Wow. It's cool. Right. So anyway, so that was the guy. I went ahead and dropped his name. That's okay. But I was really flattered. I was really flattered that he did. I was like, wow. And of course, again, I called my wife and called the artist. And I was like, guess what? He came over and did it. Um, oh, I'd have been beside myself. Yeah. Hell yeah. 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 I, I've gotten uh, actors, and I, I can't say their names, but um, that have said that they would be in a production if we got it going. And some of the actors are from Walking Dead, and some are from Z Nation. That have said, if you get something going, we will do it. Well, you know, if so, that well, isn't yeah. inspiration to get something going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow, there's a little yep. motivator for you, right? Absolutely. So I, you know, I, and I got some priceless free advice from some of these people, which I just sat there and ate it up. You know, I was like, whoa. And, uh, you know, and, and they're saying, you got to keep with it. You have to up your game every single time. The next thing you do has got to be that much better. And you take, you take what you've got here for the base to work from, and you can come up with something that I, you know, that'll fly, you know? So right. 
I was very, very, very encouraged by that. And I, I'm just uh, uh, grateful with the reception that the book and the whole concept it, that it's had. Because again, even though it's set in, in the past, the whole the way it's brought together and the, the, all of the the different characters from the different genres kind of coming together, whatever it's uh, it's pretty it's fresh, and you're not you're not seeing that anywhere else. Like I'm redoing the same old horse that's been beaten to death. You know, that's boy, uh, you that's the truth. If I've got to yeah. give you anything, it's originality. On quite this like guy. It. Yeah, I mean, I I can't think of any other comic uh-huh. that even kind of comes close to touching anything of this uh, in this realm. But and that's a great thing, originality. Absolutely, and I can't wait to read it. Same here. Great. Same thank here. Thank you. No, James, thank you again so much. Excited to take a look at it. And boy, I really wish I could squeeze a 9-volt uh, battery through the microphone here to you because it sounds like you have a smoke detector or carbon monoxide detector. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Time <laughs> Sorry about that. Dang it. No need to I apologize. Kind of... I just thought it would be funny to address it. I ignore that all the time, so it's like it's not even happening. So no, and I, I, that's our fourth guest. It's ripped off the wall because when I I still put batteries in it, it still does it. So I'm going to take it down. Oh no, so. please don't! Uh, I wasn't saying well, like, got, I was annoyed got, or anything. I just found it very got, funny because <laughs> I'm like, man, I recognize that. You got to make a joke. <laughs> <laughs> all right, very good, Jake. What do we have on the website? We've got all things that are good, Jeremy. We've got links to our special guest page where we've got some of our most interesting and prestigious interviews. We've got links to our social networking accounts at CandarePod on Instagram. I'm sorry, at CandarePod on Twitter and Facebook and at Canned underscore Air on Instagram. Wow, messing it up today. Um, and if you really like what we do, check us out on Patreon. Just a buck a month will more or less change our lives. But if you hit that $5 mark, you have access to the Patreon-exclusive Founders Club podcast, and it is well worth it, I like to think. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And if you are hearing this episode, then that must mean that what if... I mean, what if has been launched? Yeah. We have launched the show. It's out there for those of you, you who see, aren't aware. See, it's real, guys. Yeah, we weren't <laughs> bullshitting you. The show was out there. Um, and it, over this next week, it's going to be trickling on all the podcast players that be, mm-hmm. most importantly, <laughs> iTunes. Um, so I would imagine by the time you're hearing this, all those things have checked out. Sure hope we're so. already there. But give us a listen. Uh, go to whatifpod.com. Check out our other show that uh, started right here on Candare. Yeah. We're proud and involved into show. something pretty cool. You know, I really is, enjoy it. This is something I'm I'm really excited to share with you. I hope it takes wind or I'm going to pull the plug on that shit so <laughs> quick, Jake. <laughs> We're not going to watch it fade away. <laughs> We're just going to old yeller the son of a bitch. It's my dog. I'll do. Uh, and be sure to stick around right here at the end of this episode for the song Watershed from the band oh, The yeah. Boss Fiends from Melbourne, Australia. You, you can find them at uh, phosphenes.com.au. That's P-H-O-S-P-H-E-N-E-S. And, uh, yeah, I strongly recommend these guys. Oh, yeah. So butter up some fairy bread, grab yourself a Foster's, and be an Aussie for the night. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, it's it's good music. I really dig it. Yeah, I'm loving it. So uh, excited to hear more, actually. I think I'm going to get one of their albums. But anyway, enjoy the song Watershed. And until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jake Runyon. And I'm James Hostler. Thanks for listening, everyone.
See this movie. But wait, Timmy's blind. But what am I supposed to do? Why not try a podcast? Spirit! Spirit. All the comic and pop culture entertainment you could want in the Candare podcast. Finally, a form of entertainment not fully reliant on visual stimulation. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Uh, Jack. God damn it. I looked right at you and... I understand. Jake. Years of reflex. Yeah. Years of reflex indeed. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. On our website, candarepodcast.com. I'm sorry? Candarepodcast. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Five years. I know. (laughs) You know how I am. (laughs) Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, I think that was good enough. I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Right.